course, um, I didn't know what they were going to be singing, but um, we're, we're going today, we're going to be turning to the book of Revelation this morning in the 20th chapter, and uh, we encourage you to open your Bibles there. If you have your Bibles or your smart device, whatever you have the Holy Scriptures on, open with me to Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20. Amen. Let's pray before we read the Scripture, and let's believe God to touch our hearts and open our hearts to receive His Word today. Father, we come to You today in the name of Jesus. We thank You for the presence of God that is, that is so rich here in this, in this service today. We thank You for your, for your Spirit. We pray You'll open our hearts, that You'll open our understanding today, that You will Help me to, to, to say what you want me to say today, Lord, and that you will apply the Word of God to our lives. May the Word of God wash us and cleanse us and change us and transform us today. And we'll give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Revelation chapter 20. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1 this morning. And it says this, John writing, and he says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And those are, <clears throat> there are four names given right there of one individual of, of, of Satan. He's called the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, and Satan. And he bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, nor in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years." And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection on such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years Jump over to verse 10. I'm just going to read this verse to make the devil tremble. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Can I get an amen there? Praise God. I love that verse. I've said it before, and you've heard it before. Anytime Satan reminds you of your past, turn over that verse and remind him of his future. That's what he's got to look forward to. But uh, in this 20th chapter of Revelation, um, John is giving us a prophetic promise, and he is showing here God gave John, the revelator, a vision of what was going to take place in the future. People want to know what's going to happen in the future, and the book of Revelation, that's why it's called Revelation, because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's revealing what's going to take place in the end times. And we're in the end times. How many know that? We're in the last days. And so it's a, in, in this 20th chapter, we see the vision that John had that God gave to him of the binding of Satan and of Satan being 
put out of our way in a bottomless pit for 1,000 years. One angel, one mighty angel, one strong angel comes down from heaven with a great chain in his hand and gets a hold of the devil and puts that chain around him and locks it and opens up. He's got the key to the bottomless pit, the abyss, and he opens that bottomless pit, throws Satan in there, shuts the door on him, and shuts him up. I like that, and we're going to be talking about that. But he locks him away into that bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Glory to God. And that, that marks, this event marks the beginning of the millennium. What we know is the millennial reign of Christ, the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ on the earth over all nations and over all kingdoms. Jesus Christ will sit on His throne in His capital city of Jerusalem and will rule and reign with a rod of iron on this earth for 1,000 years. Praise God. There ain't nobody going to vote him out. There won't be no rigged elections. Praise God. There won't be nobody overthrowing or usurping his government or his authority. There won't be a Supreme Court. There won't be a Congress. There won't be a House or a Senate because Jesus Christ will rule and reign supreme and he will have the final word in everything that is done during that thousand-year reign. Well, that's exciting to me. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I can't wait for that. Now, we are premillennial. We are premillennial uh, here at Abundant Life Family Church. We believe in the premillennial uh, coming of the Lord and ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus uh, on this earth. And so we read there about this binding of Satan and the kingdom of, of, of Jesus Christ being established on the earth. And in verse 4, he mentions that he saw thrones, and there was those that sat on that thrones, the, on those thrones. And those seated upon those thrones are none other than the, uh, the glorified saints, which will be you and I, will be the glorified saints of God that will rule and reign under Christ and with Christ in some capacity as kings and priests. That's what the song, it was in the song that we just sang, saying that he will make us kings and priests unto God. So I don't know exactly how all, for sure, how all that's going to work, but I do know that the faithful, the redeemed, the glorified saints will reign with the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth during that millennial reign. It's going to be a wonderful time, and uh, it's going to be a great, great time during the millennium. It's going to be a time of divine healing for the body that will be experienced by all. There won't be any sickness during that time of the millennial reign for that thousand years. Isaiah prophesied about that in Isaiah chapter 35, and he said that during that time when the Messiah will come and set up his kingdom, that the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf will be unstoppable stopped and the lame man will leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. There's going to be healing for everybody. Glory to God. The tree of life will be there and the, the leaves of the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations. There will be universal peace during this thousand year reign of Jesus. There will be universal peace and prosperity. Isaiah also prophesied about that time when he said that they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and uh, nation will not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. He said it would be a time Micah said that every man would sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. So there will be no sickness. There will be no poverty. There will be no hunger. There will be no disease of any kind. No death. No poverty. And do you know why all that's going to be the case? Is because Satan won't be here. 
Amen. Jesus will be reigning on the earth. I know God gets a bad rap and God gets blamed for everything that's going on on the earth today. But if people would just take time to read the Bible and see that when Satan's bound and when he's put in the prison for a thousand years and Jesus is ruling and reigning, there won't be any more war or devastation nor tornadoes or earthquakes or all the stuff that uh, is disrupting the world today. It'll be peace and bliss and prosperity for 1,000 years. As that old song, that old gospel song says, our Lord is coming back to earth again. Satan will be bound a 1,000 years and will have no tempter then after Jesus shall come back to earth again. Praise God, the earth will be totally void of the presence of old Slewfoot. He won't be anywhere around, but he'll be locked up, bound up, tied up and locked away from this world for 1,000 years. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. That's what we got to look forward to. And that millennial reign will take place soon. It will happen at the end of the tribulation period. It will happen um, at the end of the battle of Armageddon. And those prophetic events, and I'm not taking time to preach on that this morning, but those prophetic events will transpire and will come to pass immediately after the rapture of the church. The next event on God's time clock is the coming of the Lord for His saints, for His church. The rapture is getting ready to take place. Everything is coming together, ladies and gentlemen. Praise God. It's coming together. Hallelujah. Normal isn't coming back, but Jesus is coming back. Can I get an amen? He is coming back. And boy, when Jesus comes back, it sure ain't going to be normal on this world after that. Amen. Not the normal that we know. But I want to focus on three words in this text found in verse number 3 where he said that the old serpent, the devil, and Satan was bound a thousand years and cast into the bottomless pit. And notice this in verse 3, and He shut, speaking of the angel, and he shut him up. I love that. Because for 1,000 years, that old serpent, the devil, is going to be totally silenced, and his mouth will be shut for 1,000 years. Praise God. The earth will not only be void of Satan's presence, but we will also be void of his mouth. Can I get an amen? He will be totally shut up and silenced. Because I'm going to tell you something. I think everybody knows this. The devil is a loud mouth. And since the very beginning, he's been yakking and yakking and running his mouth and telling one tale after another and one lie after another. And it's time for the devil to be silenced and to be shut up. You need to get him silenced in your life. Come on, somebody. His mouth is what got him kicked out of heaven to begin with. He was once an anointed cherub of God, one of the... Angels of God that, uh, and you've heard us say it before, that led the worship of God around the throne, but his mouth got him in trouble. And in Isaiah 14, we read where he said, Oh, I, I can, I can, I'm going to paraphrase, but Lucifer, as he was known, said, I can run things better than God. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to uh, exalt my throne above the Most High. I'm going to be like the Most High. I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer God. and overthrow God and I'm going to rule and reign in God's place because I can do a better job than God can and that was what Satan was saying and he used his mouth and his lies and his deceptive powers to deceive one third of the angels the holy angels of God and led them in a rebellion against God that ladies and gentlemen is what got him kicked out of heaven and booted out of heaven and that's why 
ever since then, he has been the arch enemy of God. He has since then continuously been running his mouth. He has been using his deceptive tongue in every temptation. Every temptation that Satan afflicts upon people involves his deceptive tongue. He is a deceiver. Are you listening to me? The very first time we see Lucifer or Satan, as he's known now, uh, the devil, the old serpent, the first time we see him opening his mouth in the book of Genesis, we see him opening his mouth in a lie and in a deception. When God had told Adam and Eve that they could eat of any tree of the garden except for the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were not to eat of that tree. Satan comes in there in that form of the serpent and uses that serpent to to beguile and to deceive Eve and to tell her, you will not surely die. When God said to them, don't eat that of that the fruit of that tree because in the day that you do, you will surely die. And and the uh, the enemy said to Eve, oh God, God said, you know he he's not going. He doesn't really mean what he says. He doesn't really mean that. You're not surely going to die. You can go ahead and eat that tree. God knows that when you do, you know, you're just going to be like him. He's, he's trying to keep you from better things. And it was a lie and a deception when he opened his mouth and she swallowed it hook, line, and seeker, uh, sinker. And she was beguiled and deceived and sinned. And the reason we're in the mess we're in because she listened to the serpent and Adam listened to her and the serpent. And we're in the mess we're in today because of of the lie of Satan that beguiled and deceived that couple. Every time he opens his mouth, listen to me, every time he opens his mouth, he lies. Amen? Don't believe the lies of the enemy, the lies of Satan. Jesus said in John 8 and 44, he, told, he said this. Now you think I, pre- I don't preach hard. I'm easy. But Jesus said this to a group of people he was preaching to and ministering to. And he said, you are of your father the devil. And the lusts of your father you will do. And here's what Jesus said about about the devil. He said he was a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in the truth. Listen, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own for he. These are the words of Jesus concerning the devil. For he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus called Satan a murderer and, and Jesus called Satan a thief. And Jesus also in this verse calls Satan a liar and says that there is no truth in him. A Sunday school teacher asked her, her class of young kids one time, uh, what is a lie? And one little boy raised his hand and she said, okay, Johnny, answer that. What is a lie? And he said, a lie is an abomination to God and a present help in the time of need. <laughs> Lying is an abomination to God. Are you with me? We'll, we'll find that out this Wednesday night if you'll come on the six things that are the seven things that God hates. A lying tongue is one of the things that is hated by God. It's an abomination to God because it was the main tool that was used by the adversary and the main tool that is still used by our adversary, the devil. He is a liar, Jesus said, and the father of lies. And any time, you know, that, that any of us would, 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 would tell a lie, even if it's a little, don't try to give them colors, all right? You know, it's a white lie or an off-color lie. No, 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 uh, an untruth is a 
lies. So we need to be as far away from that as we can. Because when we tell untruths, we're identifying with, with Satan, with the liar, with the father of lies. He is our adversary. And let me tell you something. He today, Satan is a master of both terror and error. And I want you to know that it's time that we expose the lies that Satan is telling today, telling to you, telling to to preachers. Listen, the devil is lying to preachers. The devil is lying to people. The devil is causing people to believe the lies today. This country is in a turmoil and is divided today and is split down the middle today and we're on the verge of a race war even in America today because there's a liar out there by the name of Satan. The devil, he's a liar and the father of lies and I'm going to tell you I think it's time. I believe that it's time and I hope the church agrees with me that it's time that we shut him up. Are you listening? I said it's time to shut him up in our lives today. How do you shut him up? There's only one way to shut him up and that's to use the word of God against him. It's not just saying shut up devil. Get behind me devil. That's good but The way to shut the devil up is to shut him up the way Jesus shut him up and shut him up with the Bible, with the Word. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and use it against the enemy and shut him up. Jesus used the Bible against the Scriptures, against Satan in his temptation in the wilderness. Three temptations that are recorded in in the Gospels. And every temptation, Jesus used the Word and said, It is written, and Jesus shut him up. So what are some of the lies I'm going to touch on this morning? And I'll try to be as quick as possible. But no guarantees. But some of the lies that he tells to people today, and listen, he's the same. He's the same lies that he told in the past and in history are the same lies that he's telling today. The same lies that he tells to this generation today are the same lies he used in generations past. He may have a little more technology and things to work with, of course, than he did in our day. But the lies are still the same. And we have to be aware of his lies and learn how to close the mouth of Satan against the temptation that he brings to us. The first lie that I want to deal with today that Satan tells and is still telling today is the lie that there's is no harm, that there is no harm. And this was the lie that Satan told to Eve. He, this was the lie when he told Eve, go ahead and eat the fruit, everything will be fine, even though God has said, if he said that, he really didn't mean that. So you can go ahead and partake of that forbidden fruit because, you know, there is no harm in doing that. God didn't really mean what he said. You will not surely die. Go ahead. There is no harm. And that lie is the same lie that Satan tells today. He's telling it to multitudes today that there is no harm. Go ahead. That's the lie that's being propagated today in people's lives. Go ahead. There's no harm. Everybody's doing it. You you don't have to be that different. You know, you're just missing out, and God is trying to keep you from really having a good time. And this this is the very lie that Satan uses when he tempts young people and old people as well, but especially our young generation to today that Satan uses to get them to involve themselves in, in all various kinds of sin. When he tempts them to get involved in, in drugs and in alcohol and illicit sex and all of the things, pornography and all of the things that are out there, Satan uses that very lie. Well, there's really no harm in that. You really don't have to pay any attention to that pastor up there, the preacher that's preaching because, you know, they're just, he's just a little old-fashioned, and he's a little old school, and you really don't have to pay any attention to that because there's no harm in doing those 
kinds of things and getting involved in those kinds of things. But I want you to understand something today, that there is harm in getting involved in the things of this world and in sin. Are you with me today? There is harm in sin. And, and we need to understand as well, when Satan tells that lie, that everybody's doing it. And I'm telling you, there is a lot, there are a lot of churches today that are compromising the Word of God, that are going in a different direction, that are accepting things that at one time we would have thought would never have been, never be accepted within the church, within the body of Christ. But I've got to tell you something. There are still, thank God, there are still some churches today that believe the gospel and believe the Bible and believe in righteousness and believe in holiness and believe in separation and living right. Amen? There are still some saints today and some believers today that believe that the Word of God is true when it says that the wages of sin is death. And that was the thing that, 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 uh, that Samson fell for, and I mentioned him a little bit on Wednesday night. But when Delilah told Samson, you know, uh, just tell me, come on, if you really loved me, if you really love me, Samson, you'll, you'll tell me where the strength of your power is. And Samson yielded to the lie. Samson yielded to the lie that Delilah told him and basically she was saying to him there's no harm in, in revealing where the secret of your power is. There's no harm if you really love me you would tell me. But Samson when he yielded to that and he gave in and he was enticed listen he lost his consecration when he told her and when, when he got in the had that haircut in the devil's barber shop and, and she called for the Philistines to come in and shave his head while he was sleeping in her lap and he woke up and he said he said I will arise as I've always done before and I'll shake myself and I'll go out as before but he did not know he, he did not understand that the spirit of God had departed from him because he had violated his consecration to God the spirit of God left him and he was taken captive by the enemy his eyes were put out he was put in prison and, and and see here's the here's the point ladies and gentlemen today and and we've got to shut up this lie of the devil because there is listen to me are you listening to your pastor there is harm in sin Whatever that sin may be, there is harm. And it's harmful to us to indulge and get involved in sin. James said in, in James chapter 1 that when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, listen, here it is. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. And that's the case, that sin always brings forth death. So don't be deceived by the devil's lies. The pleasure of sin is only for a short season. And that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, that there is, there is pleasure. We're not going to deny the fact that there is pleasure in sin, but the pleasure Pleasures of sin do not last very long. They're short-lived, and there's always the piper to pay, so to speak. So we cannot listen to the lies of the devil. The final bill will have to be paid, which inevitably, if sin is continued in, it ends in death, and it ends in a life that is destroyed, and an eternity that is spent in separation from God in hell away from God. You cannot listen to the devil's lies. When the devil says there's no harm, there's no harm in a few drinks just as long as you have a designated driver. There's no harm in listening to some of the ungodly heavy metal rock music as long as you scream the words and just enjoy the beat. When he says there's no harm in taking a few pills or a few drugs or just doing a little bit of pot, there's no nothing wrong with that as long as you know your limits when he says there's no harm and just watching a little pornography in the privacy of your own home it'll be okay nobody will ever know can I tell you something today that that it just does not work that way because sin kills and sin demeans and sin damages and destroys and we can be sure of one thing that the Bible says that the wages of sin is dead and be sure your sin will find you out. We've got to put 
to, to, to silence the lies of Satan today when, he tell, when he's telling a world and he's telling a church today that it's okay to sow your wild oats. It's okay to sow to the flesh. But I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen, that if we sow to the flesh, the Bible says we will reap corruption. It's time to shut the mouth of the devil. It's time to shut him up. It's time to get on fire for God. It's time to get consecrated to Jesus and live for him like we've never lived for him before. Hallelujah. Millions today are addicted to pornography, to drugs. Over 50 million alcoholics and problem drinkers in the United States today that bear witness to the fact that there is harm in sin. I heard someone say the other day, and again, I didn't get a chance to fact check this. So I'm sure the fact checkers will check me. But a preacher made the statement that he had read that one in 14, one out of 14 people that take their first drink become enslaved to drink become alcoholics and cannot get off of the alcohol. And Satan says there's no harm in having a little glass of wine with your meal. I'm not being very popular today. I understand that. There's no harm, says the devil, in having a beer or two every once in a while. And I'm going to leave that between you and God, but I'm going to tell you something today. You know how I am. And you know what I believe. And I believe that, you know, I'm a teetotaler. And I believe that total abstinence of alcohol is the way that Christians are to live. Is it it getting hot in here or is it just, amen? There is harm. So out of however many people are here today, out of one out of every 14 The statistics say that would take that first drink, would take that first drink, would be enslaved to that. Let me tell you something. You're looking at somebody up here on this platform as your pastor. I'll be a little bit candid with you this morning. I know that for a fact because as as a young teenage boy... um, Giving into peer pressure, wanting to be like the crowd, wanting to follow my buddies and my friends, you know. And I can still remember, I can remember the night that I had my first beer. I better move on. <laughs> but uh, it was at a, hey, of all places, it was at a Cape Central High School football game. Up behind the, the the bleachers behind the stands, where there was a guy that was went and got some beer, and we'd chipped in some money. What was we? Fourteen years old, and uh, drink my first beer. But I'm gonna tell you, I was one of those of that one out of fourteen. I was the one that it did something to me, and it got a hold of me, and it was something I couldn't just put down or lay down. But it took the power of God to set me free. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You may have been in that same situation. There may be people here in this service today that were bound and enslaved by alcohol or drugs or or pornography or whatever the case. But I'm going to tell you something. There is harm in sin. There is harm in sin. When God says in His Word to shun what? The very appearance of evil. We're to let it alone. There's a, God's not just trying to keep you and I from having a good time. God is trying to protect us and save us from a life of misery and heartache and to save us from eternal hell. God wants us to live with Him and make heaven our home. Are you listening? It's time that we shut the devil up and shut his mouth and believe the Word of God and preach the truth like we've never preached it. What will shut his mouth to get the sword of the Spirit and say, Thus saith the Lord, God Almighty, come on, God wants 
to do something in our lives today. There is harm in sin. And we need to be separated from it completely. Woo! Do I have time to go on? There's another popular favorite lie of Satan that's being propagated today. And that is, not only does he say there is no harm, but today he's saying, don't worry, there is no hell. Well, I don't, I don't know, Brother Rick. Yeah, it's, that's a popular lie of Satan today, and there are many people that are believing that lie. There was an article some years ago in Newsweek magazine that quoted some American theologians in the United States as saying this. They said, hell is a subject too trite for serious scholarship. Another so-called preacher said this, all that is left of heaven and hell is intellectually empty baggage. Basically, what they're trying to say is that only the empty-headed, uneducated people believe in a place called hell. And surely it's the only, it's only the uneducated preachers that preach on the reality of a place called hell. And if you just stop and think about it, you don't hear this subject taught much anymore. You don't hear it mentioned much anymore. And it's not a pleasant thing to talk about. But nevertheless, even though it's not mentioned in many pulpits today, uh, we need to address that subject. Because let me tell you something, saints of God here at Abundant Life Church, hell-denying religions are popping up all over the country. Hell-denying preachers and teachers are getting more and more popular in the day which we live today. We have the universalists today that believe that God is too good to send anyone to hell. It's called the gospel of inclusion. We have the, the new, the grace movement, the hyper-grace teaching that God's grace covers everything and that the Lord's not going to allow anyone to go to hell. Some years ago, a man by the name of Rod, Rob Bell, who was a leader in the emergent church, wrote a book that was entitled Love Wins. It's a book about heaven and hell and the fate of every person who ever lived. And according to Rob Bell in that book, hell is just one of the last pit stops that a person makes before going to heaven after a long life of rebellion against God he says if it's too hot don't worry you can choose to accept God's love and you'll be whisked away to the streets of gold can I tell you something today that that is a lie that needs to be shut up are you hearing me? Hallelujah. He says that if you change your mind and want to go to heaven, all you have to do is just find the exit. And that gospel, if you can call it that, it is a gospel. It's a perverted gospel. It's another gospel. But that is not true. The Unitarians believe that, that a man is too good to ever go to hell. And I know people say, well, how could a loving God? How could a loving God? Carlton Pearson, and I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with him, but several, several decades ago, Go. Carlton Pearson was one of the, the shining lights in the charismatic movement, pastored a great church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, was, a, was a Greek scholar, was a biblical scholar, was a great preacher. But Carlton Pearson gave in to the lie that Satan came and told him that God's too loving and too merciful to let anybody go to hell. And then he began to preach that doctrine of inclusion. Many of the, the, of the top preachers tried to stop him, tried to talk to him, including Oral Roberts and others that told him he was on the wrong path, that he needed to, to, to pay attention to what he was teaching, that what he was preaching and teaching was heresy. But Pearson refused to obey and he refused to listen to those who were trying to instruct him. And today he's still off into that strange doctrine. That's a lie from the pits of hell. The Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses believe that there is no hell. 
hell. And even in the Catholic Church, they prefer to believe in a purgatory, a place of limbo where you can go and somebody can pray you out. That's not in the Word of God. After death comes the judgment. The only time that we have to make things right with God is now while there's breath in these lungs. While we're in that position where we can repent of our sins and call upon the name of the Lord and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But after you've drawn that last breath, it's too late. You've already made your decision. This life is our dressing room for eternity. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Shut him up. There is a heaven to gain. Okay, maybe this, maybe I'm weak intellectually, but I just believe what the Bible says. Huh? I'm clinging to God, guns, and the Bible. Praise God. Amen. But Jesus declared that there was a hell and that it was a real place. Jesus said in Mark 9, 48, that it's a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus said that it's a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. It's referred to in Revelation 20 and 14 as the second death. And that fire is literal. There was one assembly of God church in Springfield that should know better was the ninth, and this is a few years ago, was the ninth fastest growing church in the nation. But the pastor, I listened to the sermon. I heard it myself that the pastor of that Assembly of God church preached a message on hell and referred to the flames of hell and the fire of hell and said, don't worry, that's only figurative language. They're not real flames. It's just symbolic of separation from God. It's time to shut him up. Are you listening to me? Not all Assembly of God churches believe that, but there's a lot within our ranks. Listen to me, saints. There are a lot within the Pentecostal ranks today that are swallowing the lies of Satan and not, not believing or preaching what the Bible says. Jesus told of a rich man that died in Luke 16 and went to hell. I know people say, well, it's a parable. That's not a parable. When Jesus gave that story of the rich man and the poor man Lazarus, it was, a, it was actually really happened. He really did die. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, that rich man. And he's still there today. See, there's no relief. There's no reprieve. When Jesus talked about that rich man in hell, he talked about how he was tormented in the flames, and it was literal fire. And he cried for water, and he begged to have Lazarus to come and cool his tongue with water. But there was no relief, and there was no reprieve, and there was no exit. This is an incident that really happened. And there are multitudes that are there today. Listen, saints of God, it's not a, 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 a popular thing, and it's not a pleasant thing to talk about. But let me tell you something. All of us, every one of us in here today, we need to understand something. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. And you're going to spend eternity with Jesus, or you're going to spend eternity banished from the presence of God. There's a heaven and there's a hell. Those are the only two places that, we, that people go to after after death and we make that decision right now so don't be deceived by Satan's lie hell is a real place and we're here to expose the lie of Satan we're here to tell you that hell is no joke we're here to tell you today that it is a real place but the good news of that is this nobody has to go there nobody has to spend eternity there God created that place not for mankind but for Satan and his angels but 
everyone that follows Satan has to go to that place. And you know what? You can be assured today that you won't go there. You can be assured today that if you draw your last breath today that you'll go to be in the presence of God. I know people sometimes say, well, I don't know. You know, we just have to wait till we die to see if we go to heaven or hell. And that's not true. You can know that you have eternal life. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that you have them, that that they have been washed away and that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You can know in your heart today that should today be the day you draw your last breath that you'll step into the portals of glory and be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus came for. That's what he died for. That's what the cross is all about. That's what his blood was shed for because there is a hell but he came to die for us to escape that eternity without God and to have a home of eternal bliss in heaven. Woo, hallelujah. The last lie that I want to mention to you is that Satan tells us this. There is no hope. He says there's no harm, there's no hell, and there's no hope. I've been told that by the enemy, and I'm sure you have too. And one of the most terrible things in the world to be, to experience today is hopelessness. Hopelessness creates a vacuum in our lives. And when we become hopeless, that vacuum gets filled with desperation and with depression. Hopelessness is a state of despair where people get to a place where they have no expectation of a favorable outcome. They can't see anything getting any better. It's just gloom, despair, and agony on me all day long. That's what it's all about. When somebody gets in hopelessness, people come to the place where they see no light at the end of the tunnel. And let me tell you, when you, if, de- if the devil can get you in that place, where you see no light at the end of the tunnel and you see nothing getting better, then you're ready to totally give up on God and give up on life. And there's so many people that that are in that place today. They feel that there's no use in trying, that the situation will never get any better, that there's no way out. And the Bible said that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And this is one of the biggest lies that Satan is telling to the Christian today. That you'll never make it out of this trial. That what you're going through is never going to get any better. That it's never going to, to the pro, your problem's never going to get solved. That's one of the big lies today when Satan can make people believe that lie and bring them to that place of hopelessness. That's when they turn to drugs and alcohol. That's when many become addicted. And that's when, when, when many even take their own lives when they come to that place of hopelessness that they can't see any way out. Let me tell you something, church, that hopelessness and depression are at epidemic proportions today in this, in this nation and in the world. I don't know how many, you know, they, the, 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 the liberal news media won't tell you how many people in a state of depression committed suicide during that, that farce lockdown we had last year. Are you listening to me? Amen. And people that came to hopelessness that took their life. Let me tell you, it's not the will of God that any child of God suffer from depression or a hopeless situation. You may be hearing today the voice of the devil filling your mind with thoughts about giving up and quitting and throwing in the towel. And maybe the devil has convinced you that God doesn't love you anymore and that he's left you and wants nothing more to do with you and it's all over. Maybe you're thinking today that this situation I'm in is too terrible. The storm is too severe. That this failure is But I'm here to tell you today, oh, you need to shut the devil up today. You need to get the word of God out today and pull the sword of the spirit against him and say, no, devil, you're the liar. Hallelujah, God is for me. God is with me. Who can be against me? I'm coming out. I'm coming through. I've got the victory through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, you need to give the Lord a praise today. Woo! 
You have got to shut him up. God wants to give you some hope in your life today. He wants to pick you up. He wants to let you know that he's with you. That he will not fail you. But he'll bring you through no matter what's going on in your life. Worship team, make your way back. Listen, don't lose hope. Don't give up. Shut the devil up and say, no, I believe God. Kind of be like, you know, like Paul was on that stormy sea. Fourteen days they were on there, 276 men. On that stormy sea, Eurachlodon, a nor'easter, terrible storm. That ship being tossed around like a cork on the ocean. No, no sun, moon, or stars for 14 long days. Terry's a Navy man. He's been probably in some of that stuff. And they're on an old creaky wooden ship. Amen. <laughs> And, and everybody had given up hope that they would even be saved. And then finally, the preacher stands up, Paul. He had tried to get them not to go on this voyage. So finally, the preacher, Paul, stands up and he said, You know what? You guys should have listened to me. Oh, how I'm tempted many times to say that. But I refrain myself. Paul said, you should have listened to me and not even departed from Crete. But he said, I'm going to tell you. Here was the message Paul had for these guys in the storm when they had given up hope. He said this, be of good cheer. Are you kidding me? Be of good cheer? He said, yeah. You can cheer. You need to cheer up. Have something to eat. Cheer up. Why? We're going to all die. No, 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 we're not. Paul said, no, because something happened tonight. An angel came. Woo! And an angel of the Lord stood by me and gave me a promise from God and said, Paul, you've got to go to Rome. I'm going to get you through this storm. I've given you every one of them that's sailing with you, and it may look bad, but not one of you is going to die. Nobody's going to die in this ocean. You're going to make it safely to the land. And Paul looked at that group of men that were so scared, and he said, so you can cheer up and be of good cheer because I've heard from God and I believe God that it will be as it was told me. Hallelujah. Go ahead and have something to eat and be of good cheer. Can I tell you what? They all, they had a shipwreck, but they all made it safe to land. Not one soul on that boat died, but they all made it safe. Their hopelessness was turned into hope. And with your situation today, you may be on that stormy sea of life. But don't believe the lie of the devil when he says you're never coming out or you're never coming through. Lift your hands and give God praise and shut the devil's mouth and shut him up and say I believe God I am I am I will come through Woo! hallelujah I feel Pentecostal today amen come on and stand with me today hallelujah